Hi, it's your pal Steamed Hams. Join me every week on the Unforgettable Luncheon as we discuss topics in the nerd world like gaming, comics, cartoons, and whatever else may cross my mind. You can find me on the socials as SteamedHams81 on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find me as the Unforgettable Luncheon on Facebook. And check out Steamed Hams Merchatorium, the link to which will be in the description of this podcast. The Unforgettable Luncheon, nerd comedy at its okayest. Did any single more awesome thing come out of the 90s than Mortal Kombat? Probably. What did you ask me? The answer is no. What other game can you kick the ever-loving bloody crap out of your opponent, find some completely terrifying way to finish him off, and get parents and politicians to clutch the hell out of their pearls all at the same time? I mean, besides Mortal Kombat 2, 3, 4, Deadly Alliance, Deception, Armageddon, 9, 10, and 11? Why? The answer is Mortal Kombat, of course. Today, we're going to discuss part one of the history of Mortal Kombat so far, on the Unforgettable Luncheon. Hi, it's your old pal Steamed Hams. I hope you're ready for an Unforgettable Luncheon. Before we begin, I'd like to talk about a charity near and dear to my heart. Extra Life. Started in 2008, Extra Life is a charity where gamers raise money for children's hospitals by doing what they do best. Gaming. Gamers participate in 24-hour gaming marathons to raise money for the kids through pledges. I have personally participated in Extra Life for 7 years. On November 4th and 5th, 2023, I will be playing for Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. I will be playing the entire weekend, two 12-hour runs, live on Twitch. I have a goal of $1,000 this year. Please consider donating. It is for the kids. Link is in the description of this episode. Thank you for your time, and now, on with the show. Mortal Kombat was conceived in 1991 by John Tobias and Ed Boone at Midway Games in Chicago. What started as a ninja-themed game envisioned by Tobias would later become Mortal Kombat. His pitch to Boone, then Tobias' boss, got shut down by Midway Management. It'll happen. Management doesn't always get get the ideas the first time around. Midway had been approached to make a game adaptation based on Universal Soldier, the excellent 90s action movie starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Tobias thought to himself, hey, a digitized fighting game starring Jean-Claude Van Damme would be pretty freaking sweet. Except, you know, make it more Bloodsport and less Street Fighter. Hell, they even tried to get a license to use Bloodsport. I mean, Bloodsport's an awesome movie. And it's one of those licenses that could have been amazing in the right hands. They even tried to convince old JCVD to come aboard. He said no, mostly because he was committed to filming a competing game that never came out. So, of course, the character of Johnny Cage was created as kind of a spoof of Jean-Claude. So, right down to his split punch that, you know, let you punch the opponent right in the nuts. My favorite move in the entire game. Any game that lets you punch your opponent directly in the balls is A-OK with me. 
Street Fighter II, being a runaway success, convinced Midway Brass to let Tobias and Boone, along with graphics artist John Vogel and sound designer Dan Forden, the Toasty Guy, Toasty! make their own game. They chose the genre of fighting to be able to use as large of digitized sprites as they wanted, and they deliberately made it as different as possible from Street Fighter II. Most of the inspiration for the game actually came from 1984's Karate Champ. I own the NES version of that game. It was tough, but it was fun. The digitized sprites were actors filmed on a camcorder, and then all their moves, reactions, and whatnot were filmed and then digitized for the game. Besides digitized sprites, they also decided to up the violence factor and gore. Lots of blood and gore during the fights, along with the now-famous Finishing moves. Brutal moves where you essentially kill your opponent after winning the match. The violence in this game, along with other games that use digitized and live-action sprites like Night Trap, led to the Entertainment Software Rating Board being created in 1994. They're the people who now make it make sure you find the really good games, like the M-rated games. You know, I mean, it, it's not like it really works to deter kids from getting those games. You just have to ask an oblivious parent to buy it for you. You know, I shit you not, when GTA came out uh, while I was working at GameStop, it was GTA 5, in fact, uh, came out while I was working at GameStop. Uh, A mother comes in one day to buy this for her 8-year-old son. And after the manager lists off literally everything bad about this game, the sex, the violence, the nudity, all, you know, the swearing, she responds with, Oh, it's okay. They teach sex ed in school. Two days later, this woman comes storming into the store, demanding to know why we sold her child such an inappropriate game that she bought. She starts listing off all the stuff wrong with the game that she saw her son playing, which is verbatim everything the manager told her. And she was saying this to the manager that sold her the game. And his response, I told you all of this when you bought the game. You said it was okay. It's your responsibility, not ours. So yeah, great deterrent. But I digress. Mortal Kombat was released in arcades in October 1992 and was an instant success. The story of the game follows a tournament called Mortal Kombat which is fought between two realms, with the winner of ten consecutive tournaments getting to take over the losing realm. Outworld has already won nine tournaments against Earthrealm. It's it's up to a group of fighters to stop Outworld and its ruler, Shao Kahn, from taking over Earthrealm. The fighters consist of Liu Kang, a Shaolin monk played by Ho Sung Pak, Johnny Cage, a Hollywood actor entering the tournament to prove his legitimacy as a fighter played by Daniel Piscina which is our great JCVD spoof. Uh, Piscina also portrayed uh, Undead Ninja Scorpion and his living rival uh, Sub-Zero, who have fire and ice-based powers, respectively. Scorpion being after Sub-Zero because he believes he's responsible for his death. Probably is. Raiden, the Elder God of Thunder who defends Earthrealm, played by Carlos Piscina, joins the battle as a mortal. Sonya Blade, Special Forces Commando, played by Elizabeth Malecki. She's on the hunt for criminal Kano, played by Richard Divizio, who has also entered the tournament. 
They must battle each other to ascend rankings in a game of style, game of death style tower ranking. You fight each of the other fighters in the best of three one-on-one fighting match, then a mirror match against your double. And then you battle in three endurance matches, which are the same best of three match style things, but with two back-to-back opponents. You defeat one, the other one automatically jumps in. You get no restoration on your health whatsoever, so you got to beat both of them with one life bar. It's a bitch. The best is yet to come, though. Win all of that, you face Goro, the four-armed, half-human, half-dragon warrior. That was a stop-motion dummy. Um, who's won the last nine Mortal Kombats for Outworld. Let me tell you, he's an absolute bitch to beat. I didn't beat him for the first time until earlier this year, and that's that's how tough he is. 2023 it took for me to beat him. When you defeat Goro, you still have to defeat the final boss, his master, Shang Tsung, sinister sorcerer of Outworld. He's portrayed in a lot of makeup by Ho Sung Pak. Old Shang can shapeshift into any other fighter during the match, which you kind of kind of keep on your toes, you know, you never know. One second you're fighting Johnny Cage, the next you're fighting Shang Tsung, then you're fighting Kano. Oops. <laughs> Canonically, Liu Kang is the winner of the tournament, you know, for well, storytelling and continuity. But, I mean, you can beat the game with anybody and get their non-canonical ending. And so, Mortal Kombat 2 hit arcades in November 1993, just two months after Mortal Monday on September 13th, when the home versions of Mortal Kombat hit the stores. Now, the fun thing about that was the Super Nintendo version replaced all the blood with quote-unquote sweat as they were hit, and a lot of the uh, gorier fatalities were left out. But um, there were still a few left in. The Genesis version, on the other hand, had a secret blood code where you could actually get the blood replaced in there. So, you know, of course, parents were in an uproar because why the hell not? But yes, they released this two months after the home version of the original came out because you got to keep that hype train going. Mortal Kombat 2 centers around Outworld ruler Shao Kahn being a sore loser and demanding a mulligan for the last tournament this time to be fought in Outworld. Shang Tsung has his youth restored, so that he may now fight in the tournament, and he's now being portrayed by Philip An, MD. Yes, Shang Tsung's actor was and is a practicing physician. How cool is that? I mean, he could beat the crap out of him, and then he can treat him. Six new playable characters were introduced along with Shang Tsung and returning fighters Johnny Cage, Liu Kang, Scorpion, and Sub-Zero. Katana and Melina... Our twin assassins for Shao Kahn, they're played by Catalan Zamiar. Kitana is really working with the good guys, and Shao Kahn just doesn't know. Jax Briggs, Sonya's special forces teammate on a mission to rescue Sonya from Outworld, played by John Parrish. Uh, Kung Lao, Shaolin monk and friend of Liu Kang, played by Anthony Marquez. Reptile, Shang Tsung's personal bodyguard, is played by Daniel Piscina. Baraka, a mutant warlord of Outworld's nomad race, played by Richard Divizio. Uh, and Sonya and Kano were background characters as prisoners to Shao Kahn due to memory limitations. And they were also picked to sit out because they were kind of like the least selected characters in the original game when they kind of were looking at things for the arcade. Now, it's the same structure as before in terms of advancing you know, the, the one-on-one fighting style, the endurance matches, mirror matches. We're not going to go into that. 
you know. What was added were a couple of new finishing types called babalities and friendships, neither of which involved death. This was probably to appease the whiny assholes who were, Oh my god, this game is too violent! Then don't let your kid play it, dipshit. Performing a babality turns your opponent into a crying baby. Hmm, sounds familiar. While friendship is something like doing a dance or giving a gift to your opponent instead of killing them. Means these games can't be all bad, right? Right? The new sub-boss is Kentaro, another of Goro's race sent to avenge Goro's defeat. He's also a pain in the ass to beat. Still haven't beaten him to this day. The big boss is Shao Kahn, played by Brian Glynn. Now this asshole uses a hammer in battle. Fucking cheater. Again, canonically, Liu Kang wins. And I remember how big this game was when it came out. Everybody was excited. Everyone wanted to play it. There was literally a move list that someone made, like wrote down everybody's moves and fatalities and all of that, along with a little key to like what the button inputs were. And everybody wanted it. And all of a sudden, we're all going to the library. You know, we're, we're making copies, copies, copies. It got passed around by entire sixth grade class. Guys and girls were wanting this thing. Okay. I had one. I mean, that's how I started to learn movesets back in the day. And got good. Now, Mortal Kombat 3 was released in 1995. One big change the game had was the introduction of a run button, since uh, a lot of people were saying that the defending player got an advantage. So now you could just run right to them and just start beating the shit out of them. (laughs) You could also uppercut your opponent into a whole other level on some levels, which made for an interesting fight. You're in a subway. You uppercut your guy. He... Flies up into the streets. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Scorpion was absent as he had no dog in the fight as Sub-Zero had been killed. Well, story-wise. Shao Kahn, being the asshole he is, decides his best way to get into Earthrealm is to resurrect his queen, Sindel, who died young. She's played by Leah Montalongo. uh, Resurrected her in Earthrealm so that he could cross realms and retrieve her thereby combining Earthrealm and Outworld partially, making it a lot easier for him to take over. Liu Kang leads a rebellion, and new fighters join the mix. Johnny Cage was killed off by Shao Kahn's extermination squads, as Daniel Piscina had left Midway before this game was made, and his character was not recast like Sub-Zero. Joining the rebellion were Cabal, played by Richard Divizio, a former member of Kano's Black Dragon Crime Syndicate, now battling to save Earthrealm. Sal DeVita portrayed Cyrax, Sector, and Smoke, cybernetic ninja assassins for Sub-Zero's former ninja clan, the Lin Kuei, along with Nightwolf, a Native American shaman. Michael O'Brien plays Stryker, an NYPD riot control officer who joined the rebellion. Now, fun fact... Jax's original name was going to be Stryker before they settled on Jax, which meant they got to save it for another character, which I think is pretty cool. Joining Shao Kahn's side is Shiva, a female member of Goro's race and Sindel's personal bodyguard. Shiva was a stop-motion model, so no actor was involved. Some casting changes came around, as Sub-Zero and Shang Tsung were now uh, played by John Turk, Liu Kang by Eddie Wong, and Sonya played by Carrie Hoskins, who you might know as Mistress Helga from Revolution X. 
Sub-Zero's recasting is explained as him being the younger brother of the original Sub-Zero. Raiden is not a playable character, as he's not allowed to interfere and has no power in Outworld. The best he can do is just extend protection to the souls of all the new fighters. The newest sub-boss is Montaro, who is a centaur version of Goro, except he doesn't have four arms. He has four legs and two arms. I mean, that, that's how a centaur is built. You know, of course. You know. uh, of course, your final battle is against Shao Kahn, who once again uses a fucking hammer. And, of course, how else will this end? Liu Kang wins again, and Earthrealm is saved. Or is it? That's the story for the next part. Join me next week for part two of the history so far of Mortal Kombat. That's it for another unforgettable luncheon. I hope a good time was had by all. You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube as SteamedHams81. And on Facebook as The Unforgettable Luncheon. Now join me next time when the topic will be something nerdy. And don't forget to check out Extra Life. Please consider donating. The link is in the description of this video.